From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Please hang up and try again. You know, it's, uh, we have, we're starting a podcast now. You know, it's funny with uh, Kyle did win the Raskin New Friend of the Year Award in 2012, you know, and so the previous recipients have been Aaron Murray, the door guy from Keys on Main, and uh, my buddy Glenn Fisher, then Kyle, then uh, Kevin Winter-Morris won in 13 because he put it just an MVP performance with his fishing. But uh, it was like, it was, uh, this is not stroking you at all. I swear to God, when I was watching the game last night, I was thinking of you. And it was, and I was thinking. It, wasn't about, ab- it was absurd, right? It was absurd how much. And you, my best friend from college, a guy named Fitzwill. Hey, Fitz, how you doing? I know you don't listen because you don't even know how to operate Twitter. He treats Facebook like Twitter, you know, which is yeah. the most obnoxious thing on the planet. But it's watching that World Series, and I kept thinking about two or three things specifically. One is the connection with San Francisco. A lot of my friends have the second. Right. The second one was I hate when people use the word heroic performances because <laughs> heroics. I don't think they find their way on the field. You know, even stuff like Kirk Schilling going out there with the bloody sock or Kirk Gibson going yeah, out there. Right, it's like it's not leg. heroic. That's a guy fighting through the pain that makes the right play at the right time. Yeah. Or a series of it. But, man, like Bumgarner? It's yeah. just insane. I mean, what were you thinking when – because we talked last earlier right. in the week about Tim Hudson going to get shelled. And we knew J.P. And PV, yeah. We knew Pavey was going to get shelled. Ventura's performance in the – on uh, yeah. Game Six yeah. was one of the best yeah. pitching performances I've seen. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting because I think between PV and Hudson in six and seven they got nine combined outs out of two starters in six and seven of a World Series, which is like unheard of. It's un- it's Hudson's. Uh, I think Hudson's start in Game Seven was the shortest since 1954. I want to say World yeah. Series something along those lines. Did he get pulled at one in the third innings? Yeah. For, uh, what was it, uh, Jeremy? Jeremy uh, Affelt. Oh, Affelt, yeah. Yeah, Affelt came in. And I think a lot of people will talk about Bumgarner, but Affelt came in and pitched two and two-thirds innings scoreless ball and got those two huge double plays. Yeah, yeah. That one where Panic and Panic. Crawford, that, w- that was absurd. I mean, that's a play that will go down in terms of, you know, you when you remember this World Series, it'll be that. Um, but Bumgarner, I, 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 my cousin's a huge Giants fan. He and I were at AT&T Park when we saw Bumgarner's uh, Major League debut in 2009. So we always bring that up. But um, it was weird because obviously that's not a position he's used to being in. I yeah. mean, no one's really used to coming in in the fourth or fifth inning, especially after throwing 117 S- pitches 107. Two, two days prior. Yeah. So it's absurd. And then you start to get into the, like, do you risk you risk your best pitcher's arm for the next 10 years for the next five innings? That's something that really comes into people's minds because a lot of people were saying, do you start him and then see if he can get five innings and then go to the bullpen from there. Obviously, Bochi um, knows what he's doing and put and put him in. And part of me was like, you know, he started throwing just some scuds. I mean, it was like 85, 86, yeah, yeah, yeah. like nothing straight, all these cutters and sliders. And I, I got nervous. And Infante gets – your boy Omar gets the Omar. first gets the first hit off his of man. I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, everyone's making this Bumgarner thing into a big deal, and now he's going to get shelled and we're going to lose the World Series. But he settled down. He got, you know, that double play ball. And then from there it was weird. And then I think in the sixth inning you really saw him just start to settle down. And I mean, he retired 14 guys in a row before Gordon, you know, hit that that bloop single turn double turn triple, triple. thing um it was insane i mean considering the la- how the last two world series went i mean in for the giants yeah for the giants in yeah. 2010 
They won four games to one. Texas really didn't have anything going for Brought them. nothing to the table. Detroit even worse in 2012. There was a sweep. Well, Detroit was decimated after getting to the ACL. Uh, yeah, uh, ALCS. Yeah. ALCS. Yeah, so I mean, that, that those were like relatively easy, uh-huh. but this one was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never rooted for a team in a game seven, let alone you know on the road, really everything going against them. I mean, that crowd was insane. I just got beat ten to zero. It's yeah. I mean, just 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 just, just uh, you know obliterated. So, um, and and when Hudson lasts an inning and a third, and you know, I think Affelt came in with the bases loaded or two guys on, and got got out of the inning, which was huge. Um, I don't know. I mean, game sevens are like a, a thing in sports, and obviously hockey game sevens are amazing. Everyone best. loves – yeah, I mean, I think you could say hockey game sevens are better than baseball, but baseball game sevens, I think, are different because so many scenarios can happen. I mean, in hockey, you have your lines. and basketball, you know who's going to play. You mm-hmm. know who's going to take the shot. But as we saw yesterday, I mean, everyone knew Bumgarner was going to come in, but no one saw him come in and throw, you know, five scoreless innings. Well, and it's, and it's kind of cement his spot in postseason lore. I mean, it, it, that was something that people will talk about when they talk about, you know, modern baseball. I think people will talk about this World Series. Well, which is crazy because, you know, when the, the, the series was lined up here, I mean, I kind of had a huge sigh, and this is no reflection against San, uh, St. Louis Cardinal fans, who I'm not a fan of, but <laughs> I didn't want to see an I-70 World Series. I didn't want to see, you know, a show-me World Series like they had back in 85, which right. actually set this one up. Right. Uh, I thought it was too middle America, the belt buckle of the country, and as a guy, it just as a, even as a baseball fan, wouldn't have had any of the storylines. And then when the Giants won... It was a little bit, the storyline for me was really kind of like, is Bruce Bochy one of the best right. managers in the game? Right. Because, you know, from my San Diego Padres, the second he left that team, Bud Black has not done anything for us. Right. And Bochy got us to a couple of playoffs on that. And a World Series. And a World Series. And right. so, he's unbelievable. So I saw that. And then it's the upstarts of the Kansas City Royals were kind of bringing it back to San Diego. They looked like that team that finally had the prospects that came up. Finally traded all at once too. Yeah, they got everything. They they set the timeline to get it where they needed to be. But the problem is that you know to quote our friend Matt Piper, that's a lot of inside baseball. Yeah, as a casual fan, you would never know where the Royals were coming into this. And so I think what made this a miraculous series, and which is one I hate to say, it's like this is a series I'm going to be talking about years from now. And it's funny because no one really watched it. I think it was one of the lower rated (laughs) World Series because. You know, and the Giants have had that in these last three World Series. They've drawn. I mean, Texas doesn't have a huge no. you know fan base. Detroit, yeah, but outside of you know Michigan, you're not. I mean, they're that panhandle. Yeah, there, you know. but but like last year when you have you know the Red Sox and the Cardinals, I mean, people are going to watch that because a the story co- franchise. Yeah, yeah, and the the country really jumped on the Red Sox bandwagon after you know they wanted to. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, I think they even jumped on it. To be honest with you, probably around two thousand one ish. Yeah, yeah, know, no, for sure, for sure. When Omar era came yeah. in there, and it's like Pedro walk, Martinez, you know, Pedro Martinez, and right. stuff. And it's like you walk around Salt Lake, so you'd see Red Sox caps everywhere. It's like what's the connection with Massachusetts? Like, right. You know, it's like oh, I have a cousin that went to went to Boston College or right. something ridiculous like that. Yeah. No, so it's it's interesting. I mean. Baseball is weird, and and I wonder if baseball is where it was, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and obviously, you know, you can base it off TV ratings, but a lot of people really don't like baseball, or they say they don't like baseball, or, uh, 
and it's just interesting to think, you know, be, Kyle. yeah, Kyle Goon's here. Kyle Goon's here. To think about just what. Run the intro again, just real quick. But going back to, you know, the Giants and the Royals, no one really watched it. I think, you know, Sunday night football and something else. Something else was going on on Sunday that was popular on TV. Oh, I think The Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, so they and they both pretty much blew game five out of the water. Yeah. So uh, I'm just saying in terms of, you know, watchability and in terms of markets and sexiness, obviously the Giants and Royals weren't up there, but – I had a rooting interest, and Game 7 was ridiculous. I, th- I mean, that was game the best. Game 7 was awesome. Game 7 was the best game of the series by far. You know, um, and what's great about a Game 7 baseball as opposed to maybe hockey and basketball and stuff, like what you were saying with basketball, you know who the best player is. And if you got a LeBron there, we're going to be seeing LeBron take right. the last shot. Right. But with baseball, it's so wonky, mm-hmm. you know, that at any given time, you know, like Gordon could have been the hero of this entire World Series, and Bumgarner would just be a side note as a right. guy who did, you know, pitched two great innings and then, you know, gave up the turkey in the ninth, bottom of the ninth in Game 7. Well, here's the question. Do you think they should have sent Gordon home? Yeah, I was about to ask if you guys already talked about Not it. Yet. I um, I don't know. It seemed – I, I, I saw the replay of the uh, error. I didn't see – Which one, the fielding or the throwing? The, well, the the fielding and well, I guess the two right. sort of errors. Both but, outfielders had errors. But yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't see how fast Gordon was running. Like I didn't see like a side by side. But gosh, if you ever need like an inside the park home run, <laughs> it, isn't out. that the play? I mean, it's it's right against what what was it? Right center, left center. or left center? Yeah. Left center, yeah. And it's just like it's right against left center. Center fielder botches the whole thing, letting it get behind him. Well, he was jogging. He had a good yeah. pace to first, a decent pace to first. Yeah, he didn't bust out of the box. A lot then, of people were saying yeah, that. And then from first to second, yeah. he saw the ball right. get misplayed, and so you saw him booking at that point. Right. And at that point, I wonder if the third base coach, who I'm, I'm just, I don't know his Mike name. Mike Gershaw. I, I don't know if he had a good line on this one, but you could see it was the hands were going up. Yeah. And, like, we're not sending him. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. I think – I think Fox picked it up and they they went back. It may, might have been someone else that I was watching post game, but they said they made the right choice because Crawford picked the relay throw perfectly yeah. off because it was you know it was yeah, yeah. off the grass and I mean Crawford was pretty out in shallow center field, mm-hmm. so he would have had to make a tremendous throw. But I just don't know, man. Do you have the stones to have the final out of the World Series at, yeah. out of, at a home plate? I, well, it's not even I the think final out. I mean, it's. I mean, it's probably not the tying run. No, right. It's yeah, yeah. it's either the tying run or, or, or the final out. I, I mean, I think, I don't know the the stage, the stakes. I, I almost say you got to go for it, and maybe, you know, I think the thing you got to ask it is, you know, maybe Gordon saw the sign, the hands up, and and slowed down coming around the bag, that's very and that, true. that's, and very that's true. kind of why he may it looked like he may not have had a shot. I right. mean. You know, and and you got to make a pretty damn because he's in, still in shallow center. Yeah, you got yeah still make a pretty damn good throw to get him out if he's if he's yeah. Running well, speed. and the body language on Gordon was priceless. It's like obviously Panda makes the big Panda makes the last play of the game. You know, with the pop up on right. the outfield. So, right. but you see Gordon, he's about fifteen feet off. And the he just third starts base. walking. Can you even see, blame him? You though? can see like, his shoulders physically drop down as he yeah. walk, looks up and when the ball basically is crumbling down on Sandoval, right. he just starts heading back to the pole. Well, I, I mean, going back, to, right. going back to Gordon and, and going home, the Royals ran through signs last night. Yeah. Both of those times they scored, Infante ran through a stop uh-huh. sign, and then I think Lorenzo Cain or whoever scored the other run 
ran through a stop sign. So it's like of the times they they ran through the stop sign. I mean, why did why can't it? Why shouldn't it have been that final? I know. Play? I mean, <laughs> well, I guess also you know everyone's going to be a retrospective critic, yeah. but at the same time. Can you really blame Gordon if he goes for it and and tries for the game winning or game tying run of the he World Series? He becomes a hero. Yeah, he's either way, I think if he, if he I, makes it, yeah, right, right. If he doesn't if he's out by like a couple <laughs> inches? I mean, can you can you really like oh, kill him? But oh. I but you also go back and look at who's batting next, and it's Perez yes. who got beaned and uh-huh. he was obviously hurt. But then again, Perez took Bumgarner deep in Game One, Ooh. so this whole time Perez is up there. I'm like, this is it. Like Perez is gonna get a a high fastball and put it in the seats, and this is going to be the craziest Swan. ending ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, there there are so many things to that went that went through, and you know, a matter of seconds is, you know, you have a guy up there who can barely walk. You know, it's the Kirk Gibson thing. Kirk you know, sorry. and a guy who took Bumgarner deep, really the only guy who scored a run off of him in the World Series was was um, Salvador Perez, Perez in yeah. like a seventh inning homer in the first game. Right. So everything was there. Um, I mean, well, okay, so he did take Bumgarner deep, but, you know. There was a 7-0 game you, at that point. Like, yeah. do, do, I mean, do you possibly – did did Yost have anyone that he could have put in no. for Perez? It would have been <laughs> Josh Willingham, I think, but he's another right-handed batter. They don't have any big left-handed bats yeah. off the bench. And Perez is like, you know, the heart and soul of that team. He's an all-star catcher. I just right. don't really see how you could justify – Taking him out, unless you had someone, someone crazy. Uh, who is that? Who is that really good pinch hitter, the left-hander? Oh, fat, uh, um, fat guy. Okay. Yeah, because he's on my. He's one of my fat guy players, like with Pablo. Uh, anyways, anyway, I'll, 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 I'll come. I'll come up with it. What was uh, what I found? I think I kind of want to go back to this Bruce Bochy for a second. You okay. know, as a guy who's watched him when 2010, 2012, and stuff like that. I mean. I mean, when you think of these great managers, uh, Matt Stairs. Stairs. That's who I was thinking uh, of. Yeah. Matt Stairs, who would just like be on one team every year and just hit like home runs in the ninth inning as a pinch hitter. Sorry to. to no, no, but that's. I was just saying, it's like, uh, would uh, not to do the reverse on this because obviously they won the title. It's like, was did we both knew PV was going to be garbage? You know? Yeah. And when you watched that game, you saw with Ventura one of. Uh, you guys, I gotta tell you, I mean, it's probably the second best pitching performance you've ever seen there. Like a That's young, incredible. Yeah. kind of a young Pedro Martinez, you know, like an undersized yeah. fastball thrower. Yeah, uh, dude that was staring down Giants. Yeah, you know. staring down Sandoval oh, quite it was a bit. Fantastic. No, it was great, and yeah. I, it was interesting to see, I from a baseball perspective, how the Royals could just slaughter Peavy and Hudson, mm-hmm. and then have no chance against Bumgarner. Yeah, obviously they're totally different, but yeah. it, but it is insane to see a team just shellac, just be on everything mm-hmm. and then to suddenly be helpless yeah right. Bumgarner is uh, just i mean that's the only that's thing, H- the the only thing hudson gets out of this is he gets the the, uh, the recognition of being the oldest starting pitcher in a game seven which, oh yeah you know i mean i i mean this giants team to me of all the three that have won i mean 2010 yeah, ranked, yeah, actually, I, I think this up. this one is the most improbable because you have jake peavy and tim hudson in a starting rotation in the world series those guys are absurdly past their prime Matt Cain, who is arguably the best 
who was the best starter on this team until Bumgarner yeah, came Yeah, Tim Lincecum. Yeah, Tim Lincecum didn't pitch. Done. Yeah, he Lincecum pitched. He, I mean, literally, he played, what, a third of the season? Yeah, and he pitched one inning, I think, in game two yeah. when they when the Giants were down, like, seven to two. Mm-hmm. Matt Cain was out the whole – I mean, not whole. I think he missed the last five or six months of the season. You know, their leadoff hitter, Angel Pagan, was out. They had a guy, Travis Ishikawa, who was a first baseman playing left field, who had Crazy. who started the season in Pittsburgh as their first baseman, uh-huh. as you know, in opening day. And then Joe Panic, who's this, who's this, you know, second baseman is. I don't know. You know it was it was just insane to the, the fact that literally they had one pitcher who beat the Royals. It yeah. was Bumgarner beat that entire team. I know the Giants yeah. scored runs, but Vogelsong didn't pitch well. Horrific. PV was awful. Hudson Hudson pitched okay in game three, Pettit even though they pretty, lost. Pettit did pretty decent. Yeah, Petit. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah Petit. But. Petit was good, but then in game six they came in and got a few runs off of him. Right. So it was just. I mean, you don't really see just a, like a singular person take over an entire series. Would you make a comparison to the 2013 Red Sox with this team? It kind of like a not a worst to first kind of thing, you know? Because obviously the Red Sox go from being the crappiest team in right. baseball to winning the World Series and then being the world the crappiest team. Like the 2013 Red Sox, that was a that was a that was a patchwork yeah, squad. Yeah, no, I mean, but they all. But you also have D- David Ortiz. You also have Dustin Pedroia. You also have guys, you know, you can, top guys at their positions. You you can make the you can make the case for Buster Posey, but clearly he was hurt. Yeah. I mean, he I've but, never seen Posey look so bad. He mm-hmm. he didn't he went the whole postseason without an extra base hit. Yeah. He had 17 singles, which is insane. Um, you know, they won the World Series with two home runs. I mean, that's kind of unheard of, and I think nah, one, one, one well, was... The, I mean, you look at that, that Royals pitching, and it's just, like, I, I thought the Giants were far outclassed. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Bumgarner had, had, had the um, performance of a lifetime in that World Series, but, you know, just that, that bullpen especially, even last night, Herrera, given a, a bunch of good innings, yeah. kind of felt like, hey, maybe the Royals are still going to able to come back at the very end yeah so if you if you were still in san francisco obviously you're on the east bay but if you were in the yeah. city would you have been down there and uh yeah because mission, my yeah mission would you have been a part of the uh the the parade slash fireworks yeah there was a lot parade? of bad stuff that happened some right. guy got some one, guy got shot one, uh, yeah one two guy guys got shot well, yeah non-life-threatening injuries a bunch of arrests you know people breaking cop cars windows um yeah i probably would have been down there my sister goes to law school in san francisco and my one of my really good friends is a, is a lawyer in the city, and they were, they were sending me, you know, photos of that. They were watching at, um, in front of uh, City Hall, oh, well, okay. but there was, you know, lit yeah, up yeah. orange. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, I was a little jealous, but I mean, it, it'll make do. It's, it's another one. It's, I love the idea. Is I've been to San Francisco twice in the last year, and you think of the most urbane, one of the most urbane cities in America, and then when it's all said and done, they just love their baseball. Oh and yeah, it, cop cars be damned, you know, just like, everything. That yeah. They, they lit mattresses on fire. I mean, it is kind of absurd. I'm not. I'm not justifying it no, by no, any no. means. It is. It is insane to see people just go totally batty over something that's that's cool. I mean, sports are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but to basically riot because for a good reason, yeah, yeah. it's just it's just never really made sense to me. I had an interesting experience watching Game Seven. Said I have a group of customers that come in that work for IHC, and they're all based out of Kansas City. Really? So I had about 27 KC. <sighs> See those blue T-shirts yeah. they had on there, and and the uh, the ch- uh, all championship T-shirts and the ball caps and stuff. And it wasn't fake, you know. It wasn't like watching guys with the brand new crisp uh, A's caps when they, yeah. you know, uh, the, uh, you can pick them out. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you know the Fairweather fans and stuff like that. But watching these people 
it's like they're, they're, the story they kept telling me was like, I wish I was home. I wish I was with my brother because we're going to go down to whatever the name right. of the bar, right. Juniors or right. whatnot. It's like right. we're going to be at the bar drinking beers, watching the game because we right. can't get tickets to this. And right. kind of, you know, since we got Kyle here, let's talk a little Utah football. But, you know, like uh, with the USC game on Saturday, it was fun seeing in downtown Salt Lake all the guys in their black jerseys, you know, that black guy. And it's like and when you have a winning team, it more it, it, it helps define a city. I don't think a team <laughs> defines a city, you know. Well, people are more interested in winning teams than losing teams. It's yeah. not it's not really rocket science. You, know, yeah. you don't see that, you know, like for you know, when the Jazz were in the uh, Western Conference Championship, you know, it was great because it would be the conversation you'd have at a bus stop, a supermarket, at his convenience store. It's like, right. what do you, you know, what do we think D. Will is going to do? do? Can we stop Kobe? And right. it's like that conversation, it, you know, it's it's omnipresent and it's like a wet blanket. But it's great. It's it's so much fun to participate with that. I right. mean, what would you, I mean, uh, watching the USC game, we talked about this earlier this week, but I wanted to get your perspective. With that, I mean, it's like just the esprit de corps of having, you know, a, a, a pretty impressive seven and one Utah football program. S- six and one. Pardon me, six and one, uh, six and one football program. I mean, just uh, how do you think that impacts the town? And you know, looking forward, it's like, do we have a fair weather fan base here in Utah? Um, I, I don't. I kind of want to stop short of saying it's a fair weather fan base. I mean, obviously the interest ticks up hugely. I mean, I think I interact with a lot of people who care a lot about Utah, whether they're good or bad. I mean, uh, but, you know, it's, it is true what Chris said. I mean, winning teams, they get a lot more interest and, and a lot more readership. So I, I, I want to stop short of saying it's fair weather, uh, but uh, definitely more more positivity. And, uh, you know, the, the house was packed. I mean, you know, they, Utah has had, you know, quote, sellouts, where they sell every ticket perhaps, but, you know, the, there's – couple rows of fans every every few sections missing but that was definitely not the case on Saturday where it was just a packed house it was very loud um, you know at the end of the game fans were really getting into it throughout the game fans were getting into it so it was uh, proposed uh, because after the Wilson to clay pass you know and uh, to go ahead and win it and stuff or the storm in the field it's like should Utah be known as this the, pro- the, the school that storms the field after the big wins uh, I mean, I think that's almost every school. Okay. I, you know, it's it's just kind of a thing that kids want to do. I mean, you know, I was when I was in Maryland, I I wanted to rush the field. We rushed the field against a 500 Florida State team because Maryland had never beaten <laughs> Florida State before. Um, it's it's something kids want to do. Yeah. That's pretty much. What Where were you in the last minutes of the game? Were you up in the press box or down on the field? I was down on the field, and I actually took a video of uh, Travis's. Uh, 18-yard run right to the uh-huh. very precipice of the end zone. He was not in, but it was, it was nonetheless just a really impressive thing to kind of see, um, you know, somebody especially who who's just struggled. I mean, you know, it's clear that a lot of times in some of these games he just doesn't have his touch or, you know, sometimes his, his receivers aren't helping him or sometimes he just seems to just force things a little bit. And, and uh, you know, even – though he played better on Saturday, he was still finding his way a little bit. And then that last drive, it all just kind of all kind of came together. USC was tired. Travis found a little bit of composure. The running game had kind of opened things up. And and uh, Utah made a drive that, frankly, I was shocked to see them make. Oh, it must have been exciting. So uh, were you on the, uh, obviously on the field level, fans are storming the crowd. Um, is this the kind of thing – I hate when you say the momentum because I've learned that you can't make predictions. When you start – 
saying like, oh, such and such team is going to go ahead and, and clear the table. You're going to be wrong. And anybody with an email account is going to make sure that you know about it online. But going to Arizona State, uh, what do you think the big game plan? Also with uh, Drez Anderson out, I mean, how's this going to impact the team? Um, you know, the, Drez Anderson, that injury really is troubling for two reasons. I mean, well, he's a captain. He's a leader. He's always kind of the positivity guy. You're just never going to hear any kind of grumbling from Drez pretty much ever um, just because he's not that kind of person. He keeps the drama in-house. He's very complimentary to other people on the team. And, you know, he, he's just that kind of guy that wants things to kind of bind together and, and helps helps make that process. And I don't think you could say that about everyone on, on Utah's team. Um, but at the same time, it's like – he, he's also on the field, just he's the deep threat. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that you have to have a safety over top of him because at any given moment he could score a 40, 50, 60-yard touchdown. And UCLA, I mean, he comes back from one of his, his roughest games against Washington State and makes that catch that Chris saw against UCLA yeah. unfreaking believable, even if you look at the replay, the way he kind of navigates through two defensive backs who hit him mm -hmm. and then has the presence of mind to catch the ball at the as it's dropping to the ground. So, I mean, you know, you just that that deep threat. You know, and that's just in the catch really fast. Like when slow motion when you see it on the Top Town Sports Center, it looks like any one of us could have made it. But when you see it in real time, I could have made it. I could have made that, that catch. Thing is, I mean, it's all a, about just locating the ball with like two milliseconds left before yeah, it, before no, it falls in someone else's <laughs> Two milliseconds and two millimeters, you know, to make that play. It, it's kind of weird because Drez has such a, a really conflicted legacy uh, with fans, I think. I mean, well, know, how so? Well, the numbers say one thing. It says that Drez is one of the best Utah receivers ever. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be, you know, a, a certain amount of, of folks who agree with that. Um, but there, there's others, you know, obviously he had the drops. He had some drops last season, um, but he was also, like, really their only receiving threat who was any good last season. Because Kenneth Scott was out for the whole Kenneth season. Kenneth Scott was out for the whole year. And and people who, even as Drez was injured, you know, someone told me that people were making jokes that, well, Drez is, Drez is getting surgery on his hands for all the drops. It's like, <laughs> like seriously, fans, Utah fans. It's it's so much for that rallying around the town. Well, know? it's kind of yeah, it's yeah. just it's, right it's just proof that peop, fans fans turn on on the smallest of happenings. Yeah. I mean, for for all that's been said and done, you know, that touchdown catch against UCLA could be his his lasting impression for some fans. But then a, a, a five yard drop against Washington State can be. It's just everyone yeah. has their own. Well, pick of the litter in terms I of what they want to remember. This. In this fan base, there is I, I don't think necessarily interest drops off, but there is a sway between this back and forth positivity, negativity. I mean, you know, just that, that confidence that, hey, we're a good program, we're established. It's not there yet. Um, they kind of People are kind of rebuilding that up after, you know, the brutal disappointment the last two years. And so every play kind of has people hinging back and forth, you know, like there's just a swirling breeze around. It's just, it, it, there is just sort of that mentality among the fans that they're really not sure what they can trust and, and where they're putting their footing. And I think, you know, for the most part, I don't think it's an indictment of Kyle Whittingham. I think Kyle Whittingham has done a pretty tremendous job um, with, with a team that a lot of people thought would kind of just do the same old thing. 
and obviously they're bowl eligible, which is kind of the the, the standard that most people would set before the season. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately he's going to come out of this season looking good. But at the same time, it's like, but well, U- Utah's ranked 18, but should we really kind of put our faith in that? Should we? Can we believe that they're going to go to Arizona State where they haven't won since 1976 and, and, and really – take it to the Sun Devils, well, eh, yeah, you might see a little more wavering on that. So the conversation at the beginning of the season when we are doing these podcasts was uh, like, was winning him on the hot seat. Is, do you think uh, the, the temperature has been dropped off a little bit with those crucial wins at USC and UCLA? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, well, I pointed out in the um, story over the weekend, it's like you look at the checklist, the Utah fan checklist, which is are we bowl eligible? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have we beaten the Southern California teams that we wanted to beat for years? Yes. Are, you know, are we, you know, showing recruits that ranked? We... Yes. Are we showing recruits that we can beat these teams? Yes. I mean, those are, that's the checklist. Yeah. I mean, people are into it. I mean, people, even after the season's over, like, let's just say Utah loses, the, I'm just saying this, I mean, loses the next four games, wins Colorado, end up with seven wins. I mean, still, they beat USC and UCLA in the same season, and that's a big deal to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, just for what that says. Michigan, too. And Regar- Michigan too. Regardless Who? of, regardless of how they finish going <laughs> on the road, regardless, I mean Appalachian State can do it, but so can Utah. Yeah, but it's it's. I mean that's going to stand the test of time here, and and I think it really kind of cemented Kyle Whittingham's job status, even if something, you know, even if there's an epic collapse, which I don't think there will be. I think there's going to be, you know, three three or four very close games coming up pretty soon. Um, and Today I'm not sure deep. where they land, but well, no, there is no longer a game where I think feel like at the beginning of the season we you would say definite loss, definite loss, definite loss. That's not the case now, right? Because a Utah's fairly not fairly decent. They're a good team, They're a good team. But Oregon is not invincible. No, Arizona State's not invincible. UC, UCLA put up 62 points down there. Um, Stanford isn't even ranked anymore. No. Um, Who's the other team that they're going to face? Colorado. Colorado, Colorado. Colorado should, yeah. should, if you're Utah, it should be a cakewalk, but it yeah. never really is. Arizona will be a tough game. They're, I mean, they're they're kind of like Utah. They're having a, a good start I, you to the season. I really but. am trying to figure out these Arizona schools right now because, you know, Arizona State, they, they got blitzed against UCLA, just yeah. absolutely blitzed. But that was their first game without Kelly, right? That, that was their first game without Kelly, but still, I mean, it's like they had – Either one special teams touchdown or two. I can't remember if it was one or two special teams touchdowns. They had, they had one. They had the Ishmael Adams return. The Adams also had an interception return. And it's like they got absolutely just run out of their own stadium. And since then, they're and they also they couldn't look. They didn't look like they could tackle. Yeah. If you remember that. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like now they've had back to back really good wins against Stanford and Washington. Stanford and Washington have worse offenses than Utah. Yeah. So it's sort of like, well, what do you kind of believe there? And, and you know, their offense, Kelly last week, I know there was some crazy, silly wind in Tempe, but, you know, Kelly didn't look his sort of all-star self. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's kind of interesting. So at the beginning of the year, ESPN had Utah ranked with the hardest schedule in all of the NCAA football. Uh, at the seven at seven games into the season, going into our eighth one, I mean, uh, doing some hindsight, it's always fun to pick on these predictions. Uh, did they? Did ESPN miss the boat on this, or did Utah just exceed everyone's expectations? I think Utah exceeded everybody's expectations. I mean, well, it's it's a little bit um, two sided because. 
the deal with the Pac-12 this year is they've beaten each other up. Everybody has one conference loss, so they just don't look as good. And and I don't know what it is with the SEC, but somehow, like when they take conference losses, they don't really seem to get downgraded in the rankings for it um, because they're the SEC and then the toughest. So I don't know. And Utah only moved up one spot. Yeah, Utah, so it's kind of weird. I yeah, I lost five bucks on that. Did I, you? I, I had them going up to number. 14. I thought it was the most impressive win by far. From Utah, and I kind of get it because a didn't lot USC of the teams, stay, didn't they go to twenty three? I think they only dropped a couple spots, right? I don't know because they went from twenty to twenty three. USC, think. yeah. Oh no, they're out. They're right? out. Okay, yeah. Which I couldn't believe because UCLA is still in after just barely beating Colorado in double overtime, and I thought USC was is a pretty good team. They just seem to lack sort of that killer instinct where they didn't really test Utah deep a lot, and I was a little surprised by that. They had pretty decent par- par- pass protection and, um, you know, had had a lot of – Cody Kessler had a lot of time. Didn't really seem to go for broke, and Utah kind of did. Well, it's, uh, at this point, we're at the halfway mark. Uh, we're 30 minutes in, and because the game has a super-duper late kickoff, when is it, like 8, 9 o'clock? 9. Nine o'clock. Uh, nine mountain time. So for all the readers of the Salt Lake Tribune, obviously <laughs> the story's not going to be making it to the Sunday paper. Is that right, Kyle? Um, Kyle? That's what I believe is going to happen. So, so we'll what you're going to need to do is you've got to follow at Kyle Goon on Twitter because he's going to keep you up to date. Nobody tweets harder than this guy. And uh, give you all the links to the stories that him and Matthew Piper, which is Matthew underscore Piper, will be doing. And the, all the stories will be linked up onto the website. You know, yeah. they're gonna, These guys kill it every single week. Man. Great story writing, great insight. And uh, the great analysis. Is Kirk going down as well? Um, no. So it's, just the two it's of you? Just me and Matt. So it's uh, no, no adult supervision. Okay, no. It's <laughs> no. going to be fun. So definitely follow those two guys on Twitter so you can catch everything that's going to be happening in that game. Uh, with the, obviously, with Wilson's great performance against USC, is the quarterback controversy over for the Utes? I mean, I, yes and no. I mean, yeah. He's, he's going to be the starter. No one's questioning that. He's going to. Um, you know, get you know a certain amount, a chunk of uh, time to to make sure that he's he he is the starter. He's the first he's the first guy right now. Um, I just kind of wonder, just with the way Kyle Whittingham and the coaching staff have been this year, you know, how much how how much is too much before Travis gets yanked again? I mean, there's no real way to know that for sure at this point. I mean, I was a little surprised he got pulled so early against UCLA. You know, the coaching staff did say this week, you know, Travis is our starter and they've wanted somebody to pull ahead. But, you know, he's still he, – he had that great drive. He's still not, you know, untouchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just the way the coaching staff is this year, I mean, they want to win. And even maybe even more so now because they realize how thin a line it's going to be between kind of being able to win the Pac-12 South and and kind of falling short of that. I mean, there's – there's so many goals now that are sort of within reach that they maybe didn't expect to be, to have at the beginning of the season. Crazy hypothetical on this one. If we win out on this, by we being the University of Utah, they win out, are they going to be one of the playoff teams? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I well, wish I could say. Curious, I mean, know? I think there's they so sh- many chips that I need think to fall. Well, because I don't understand the playoff picture. I don't no, understand I don't this whatsoever. Okay, is we're, it the top we're four teams? totally spitballing it here. No, yeah, this is. I think I, I think the chances and, you know, of not Utah. A law. <laughs> <laughs> I think the chances of Utah winning out are very, very, very thin. Thin. But if they win out, if they win, if they beat Oregon, 
and the and Arizona the State. two Arizona teams that are ranked, and they win the Pac-12 championship, probably having for, to beat Oregon again. Those Buffaloes yeah. of Colorado. Yeah, he's right. It's like I mean, right. they should be in it. Yeah. If they if they did win out, but we're the talking six six seven games. Yeah, here's here's you where know, I'm gonna I, make I, yeah, totally down. Totally, Here, here's yeah. where I'm gonna make a stand, mm-hmm. and, and if the Pac-12 has a one loss team, it should go. I think. I mean, you know, everyone talked about the Pac-12 being the second toughest conference, and you know, it's just been crazy. I think it's, you know, acknowledged to be a very good conference, and you know, Oregon beating Michigan State, I think, certainly maybe adds some credence to that mm-hmm. argument. Um, but you know, it's just, you know, if you if you if you if people are gonna say that and people believe that and people believe the Pac-12 has as talented players as anywhere else, then why aren't they gonna get a chance if they have a one-loss team, a one-loss champion? So let me ask you this, because uh, you can't control the fate. Of what's gonna happen? We're bowl eligible. We're gonna go to one of the 35 bowl games. If yeah. you had your druthers, and it can't be one of the top ones, which of the bowl games would you personally like to go? Cover for both having the media day. Bonsettia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like last I, year. No, well, I, um, I will sort of riff off of Chris here and say the Holiday Bowl is uh, yeah. up for grabs. There, yeah. Utah's not in contention for Bonsettia. I asked, uh. <laughs> but it is for the Holiday Bowl, which is December twenty seventh. It's it's only two days after Christmas, so you know that. That can kind of be a little rough being away from home, but, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, San Diego weather kind of cheers me up. So yeah, San Diego's gorgeous. America's finest city. You could, al- <laughs> you could also go with uh, the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl at AT&T. Yeah, well, I don't think... Is Pac-12 think, not in that this year? I don't think year? Pac-12 is in that. I don't know. I have to... I'm trying to remember. What did, I always... Knows. I know they're... For some reason, Alamo the Music Bowl City Bowl ties, always started enticing. Nashville? Yeah, go that's to nice. Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, that's always, that's always like Conference USA against yeah, I mean, like the ACC or something weird. But now that they've changed all the all the, the conferences, yeah, I have you, no idea what is what anymore. I didn't even know what the Power Five was until a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, well, ESPN. What I mean, that's you, the thing. ESPN, uh, like, owns a lot of them and then just moves them all around. And it's kind of... The Sugar Bowl's cool. That's the only bowl I've ever been Nokia to. The Nokia Sugar Bowl? The Nokia Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Just because New Orleans over New Year's Eve was one of the more it's got to be insane spooky things, scary things I've ever seen, yeah, but it was awesome. Drinking hurricanes and oh, just um, I remember seeing everyone talking to Coach Whittingham's mom, who was being wheeled around Bourbon Street at like eleven thirty <laughs> at night, and she had like on her Utah gear, and she had like on a Utah uh, boa thing. Yeah, she had Mardi Gras yeah, beads and stuff. I don't remember, but yeah. it was it's pretty crazy. And then like. In retrospect, I look back thinking seeing like Paul Kruger and Sean Smith, who are now in the NFL, mm-hmm. just two guys walking around, just soaking it all, soaking it all yeah, up. Yeah, because you got to cover for the. Uh, I should, yeah, when you I was like, that game when you were at the Chronic, right? Yeah, I, I should uh, correct myself here. There, so Poinsettia. The, um, Poinsettia? No, the Craft Fight Hunger is now just called the San Francisco. We're waiting on a sponsor bowl, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that Francisco does have bowl. a Pac-12 tie. Ah, against so. the Big Ten. Um. Yeah. Utah against Michigan rematch. Mm. Michigan's not gonna win six games. And I, uh, you know, no Who? offense to, <laughs> no offense to uh, the Southwest. I I don't really feel much like going to Texas or Arizona. El Paso. No El Paso. I'd much rather go to a beach town. I. You know, it's just uh, get cray down in Juarez, dude. Albuquerque yeah. in a snowstorm, uh, like lose third, a part of you. <laughs> like, Juarez. I was yeah. floating this idea around. I think Utah should host one and call it the Crown Burger Bowl. Yeah. 
talk perfect in-state sponsor. Oh man, Rice Eccles Stadium. It just the, uh, the fry sauce mascot would oh, be man. great. That's a oh, good my. sell. Rice Eccles Stadium in December. Hey, come <laughs> come by December thirtieth. Come to Salt Lake City. Hear the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Have and go to a freezing cold bowl game. But have sure. some Crown Burger. Yeah. Have some Crown Burger. I mean, is Salt Lake City that much of a worse than Boise for the potato bowl? It's well, not. But I also don't want to go to the potato yeah, that's, bowl. That's very true. That's, I was like, Ugh, you, well, you went to all the potato of Utah bowl. State exhaled last year when they were like, oh, we're not going to the potato bowl. Yay. Like, seriously. I mean, San Diego, man. San, San Diego. It's, yeah, it's the best. There's nothing better than San, it San was Diego. 70, it was like mid-70s all week I was there Arizona wouldn't be too bad either No. in December. Yeah. But I guess you're already going. I'm going now. I'll, I'll scout it out. Well, they have the Brady O'Beef Bowl, which I think is in St. Peter's. Beef O'Brady's? Yeah. 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 Have you eaten there before? No. It looks disgusting. <laughs> I had to look. Oh. I could have guessed that yeah. from the name. It's like one of those products that, like, the name kind of tells you what it's about. Beef Operatis. Well, that sounds like you would serve that at a fancy restaurant. <laughs> well, we'd be remiss with that, with having Chris here not to just do a quick, because uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to get a podcast in before the RSL LA Galaxy game. Uh, and is the storyline just keep Landon Donovan? And Robbie Keane. And Zardes. Uh, it's, I mean, seriously, man, these guys have played each other four times in the last six postseasons. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you really have – you don't run out of things to talk about, but you run out of things to – Be interested in? Not interested. It's just seriously the same thing. Yeah. I think they played each other last year. The only thing that's different, while it's pretty big, is that Jason Christ is no longer the coach. Yeah, yeah. Now there's just a new coach, but it's pretty much the exact same two teams. So it's – these guys know each other. It's Donovan's last year, so that LA has a ton to play for, and obviously Donovan doesn't do want think, to lose do in the first LA round. you think LA leaves Donovan at home for this one? Just leaves him off the roster? <laughs> they could. That'd be a that'd be a surprise. Rest move, him. Right? A- extra extra rest. No, I yeah, it's I mean it's. You know what's I think what makes the baseball this game seven you know kind of bookend is is we're winding us down here and stuff like that is that at least you know in baseball it starts around April tenth, twelfth, you know fifteenth, somewhere in that neighborhood you're going to do it, and then they're going to be crowning a champion sometimes towards the end of October at the end of the season. With MLS, I mean it's. It's it's like doing a triathlon. It just doesn't seem like it would it's ever like, end. It's like eating Crown Burger, then doing a triathlon, then eating Crown Burger, and then doing or another. Like between the swim and the bike, yeah. and the, the bike and the yeah. run. And then, then basically drinking like a 20-ounce worth of fry sauce. And then, and <laughs> it's absurd, man. I mean, if, if, the, if the Giants would have swept since they won game one, if they would have swept, that would have meant that baseball ended before MLS's regular season ended. Insane. Which is so insane. That's 176. It's a fairly long <laughs> Season, and think. and the fact that well, I mean, we haven't even played the first playoff game for ourselves, so they could go until December seventh, which is the final, mm. which means December seventh will be the last game. When does training camp start? January fifteenth. Yeah. Wow. So, so let's just end right now because I'm getting real sad right now. <laughs> well, uh, great mulligan of a podcast, guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Kyle, for coming in here. Like I said, uh, once again, all this information can be found on sltrib.com. Kyle and Matthew Piper are going to be down in Arizona, uh, Arizona State watching the game. Tempe. And so uh, at Kyle Goon, at Matthew underscore Piper. Chris Kamrani, you can't spell it, but you can probably figure it out if you care enough. Uh, yep. He's uh, on like the paper as well. I'm at Benny Raskin. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, well, this one's for you. This one's for you, K-Mo. Love you, he's, K-Mo. He's not here. He's not here. Hey, he's not going to be here next week either. Really? He's out of town? Uh, his parents are in town. Must be nice. So, uh, are, we, are we done?
Yep. Well, <laughs> let's go get a crown bar. Bye. Yeah. Please hang up and try again. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.